Thank you, as always, everyone who is teaching our kids. Three years, we can teach a kid the full gospel. Uh, so proud of everyone uh, who is teaching with us to answer the question on everyone's mind. June 23rd, due date. Uh, my son uh, has a had seasons over uh, a baseball team, Tenu baseball team, and uh, this past week uh, they were playing for first place championship game, and uh, his coach has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Happens to be his dad. So, we are down. I mean, like, we're down, down. One hit so far, thrown out at first. We've got minutes before this inning is over, and there's an hour and 15-minute cap on the game. And we're just like, <laughs> y'all know that? That's the problem with baseball and softball, isn't it? It's like everybody shares a brain. And if one person strikes out, everyone strikes out. If one person hits, everyone hits. You know, it's just it's such a, such a like groupthink sport. But we've got this kid on the team who's the most even keel kid I've ever met in my whole life. And he just, he's just, it's just like nothing really affects him. He's just so, so chill, so even. And this dude gets up with like 15 minutes left in the game and he hits a bomb, runs in three, and boy, we just rally. So that hour and 15-minute game goes two and a half hours, and we finally win this ball game, huh? How about that? Had nothing to do with me, and Bodie's not in here, so I don't know why you're clapping. But it was, it was a lot of fun, but you know that feeling when it's like, I just want to win. I would just like a win. It's been so long since I've had a win, I don't even know, I don't know what it feels like anymore. Can I give you some encouragement today? Does anybody need that today? Anybody need a little pep talk? Because the Word of God has that for you today. And I've got, I've got a lot, like, dude, four pages, and we're, we're going we're gonna to get through it because we've got a baptism today, and some of y'all got stuff in the crock pot, so I can't repeat anything. Take that note section on your connection card because we got to move through this, okay? Now, uh, let's, let's pray. Lord, I pray that we will get through this. Holy Spirit, that you will lead this, Lord. Uh, whatever you want added, omitted, Father, I pray you just lead me and, and God help us to, uh, to hear you and what you would say. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're in the Old Testament today. We are in chapter three of the book of Daniel, okay? So Daniel chapter 3, if you don't know where that is, that's okay. Nobody expected you to be a Bible scholar. We're just pumped that you're here. Uh, I know like a lot of you, like, hey, Sunday's my only day off, and you chose to be here. We applaud you for that. Uh, your Bible has two sections. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the record of God creating the world, choosing his people, and promising that through those people a Messiah, a Savior, would come. That's Jesus. When he comes, boom, we start New Testament. Synonymously, uh, New, New Testament could be New Covenant or the New Law, okay? So, uh, that's when Jesus comes. We are in the Old Testament today in the book of Daniel. Now, when Jesus comes to dwell on the earth as the Christ, as the Messiah, that is when the New 
Testament begins. But did you know that Jesus existed from the beginning? In fact, he was there in creation. The Bible says that all that was made was made through him. So keep that in mind that Jesus was there all the time. Now, uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high and nine feet wide he set it up on the plain of dura in the province of babylon king nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the uh, satraps prefects governors advisors treasurers judges magistrates and all the rulers of the providence to attend the dedication of the king nebuchadnezzar had set up he got his boys and his boys boys everybody's supposed to come and you're going to check this out because this is what i'm doing and you're going to be part of it and if i can get all the important people there to validate what i'm doing then it is validated and it's now culture and you accept it and that's just what we do it's on cnn well hey i didn't come on Then they stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. That's interesting, isn't it? All these people gather, and he's like, hey, here's a statue, and you're going to bow to it now. You believe in this now. And they're like, okay. I just kind of like, did they do it one at a time? Did they wait to see if everybody else was going to do it? Like, this is stupid. Is he going to, okay, John's doing it. Like, or did they all just like, hey, He'll kill us if we don't. Of course we're going to do it. I don't know. But in your mind, you're like, well, it doesn't count. Because they had to do it or they're going to die, right? I mean, he's going to prepare a furnace and they're going to burn to death if they don't do it. So, of course, they're going to do it. But that doesn't always keep everybody convinced. Because everybody assumes that, well, if they believe it, they'll stick up for what they believe in, Right? But not always. Here's my question. If you went to college, did your professor teach you what he believed or what he had to teach or get fired? And that's not, listen, I'm not making political statements. I'm just, I'm, like, think about that for a minute. We still do this. We still do the fiery furnace. Do this or I'll blast you on social media. I'll give you a review. Isn't it funny that people can just Google review a church? I just think it's funny. Y'all apparently don't. <laughs> Felicia, stronger coffee. Make a note. Verse 4. A herald loudly proclaimed, people of every nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and every kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Do it, or you'll be an outcast. Isn't that still one of our biggest fears? Like, we don't admit that publicly, but people come to me all the time, and they're like, I just, this is the worst thing for my kid, but if they don't do it, like everybody else has it, and your big fear is that your, your child will be an outcast, or, or that you'll be the one parent who does it, and you'll be an outcast, or like, you, you know what I'm saying? We still have that fear. Now, these people were faced with a decision. I'm going to bow to this statue that's not real, that I don't believe in. Or I'm going to be an outcast. 
and also murdered. What do you think at this point? At this point, I tell you exactly what I would do. I would love to say, no, I would be brave and I would stand up to the king. But immediately, I think my mind would go here. Hey, I'm no good to anybody dead. Right? You know, when we really get squeezed to this point, we start justifying things. We start doing things that we never thought that we would do. And it's like, hey, you got to survive. Or as a Christian, like, hey, I can reach them better from the inside. I can do it better when I'm part of them. Right? We justify. Verse 8. Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, uh, zither, lyre, harp, and drum, and every kind of music must fall down and worship the gold statue. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some Jews you have appointed uh, to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach. I'm, I'm going to say the Dirty South pronunciation of all these. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's not at all their names. These men have ignored you, the king, uh, have ignored you, the king. They do not serve the gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. So these were the Jews who were in there, and, and they're, they're rising in rank above everyone, although they were slaves taken from Jerusalem. And so you can imagine some people are pretty ticked about that, right? And so they're taking this opportunity to massacre Jews, which if you look through history is not unprecedented. Like that's, people are like, oh, there's a plague. Let's kill some Jews. Germany's poor. Let's kill some Jews. It, it was no different here. You'll find that as a theme, and it's actually very important. That tells you that something is going on supernaturally with these people. I digress. Verse 13. Are these lights just not going to come on today? They're, they're out. So if you guys can't see me, don't worry. I can't see my paper. So we're, we're all in the same boat. Then a furious... Then, in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Just pretend that you're going to be brave. So you, don't, you don't understand. Like, even we don't, we don't really get a... a we, <laughs> We, we think of, like, this, these dictatorships now, and we think of people who have what we would call maybe a sovereign power, but they weren't really like Babylon. They're still, um, there's still not really been a nation quite like this, uh, because Nebuchadnezzar needed no counsel, wanted no counsel, <laughs> He was authoritative. There was no checks and balances whatsoever. So to, to oppose him is to die, period. It's the old school, what we think of as kings and queens, although nothing has really been as sovereign as how Nebuchadnezzar ruled. And so when he comes to them and they stand up to him, they are signing up to die. It's not a this might happen, you're toast. And because there's a fiery furnace, pun intended. Verse 15, now if you're ready, 
When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. He's given them a chance. Why? Why didn't he just kill them already? Because if I can force my opposition to kneel, that makes me more powerful than killing my opposition. Satan doesn't want you necessarily gone. He wants you to bow. Keep that in mind. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who, oh, and who is the God who can rescue you from my power? She's not just going to kill him, but she's got to make an example out of him. Everybody's going to bow to me. And Satan does the same thing. If he can, oh, well, this is the Christian. Everybody knows that they go to church. He doesn't necessarily need to destroy your family. If he can just make you bow to his idol, then he's validated it for everyone. That's why all the important people were invited to the party. I can push it through. It makes him look stronger if he can break the strong and that's what satan wants for you understand it as a christian more pressure will be put on you there's a child being baptized today more pressure will be put on you you share your faith more pressure will be put on you you understand and y'all have been so good to me but i've watched this my whole life i'm a pastor i have four kids do you know how many people want to see my kids fail why because if you try to raise the standard We want you to fail so that the standard is so low we can't even trip over it. So they're in a pickle. But Nebuchadnezzar, he's done it now. He called God into question on the deal. Now here's the question. What are they going to do? is you can't fake your way out of this one. No superstition is going to get you out of this one. You've got to have something real or you're going to bend on this one. It's all fun and games until there's a heated fire pit. Do you understand? It's all fun and games until there's a heated fire pit. And we've given way to much less. We've given way because there was somebody that we thought might be popular and we wanted to impress. And we were like, oh yeah, I'm just kidding, I'm bow. <laughs> We've given way to much less. What would you do? This is my fear for the church. Because when I ask, do you know Jesus? I don't get a lot of, yes, I'm in my word so we don't really know him in truth the bible says he wants us to know him in spirit and in truth do you know jesus yes absolutely i know jesus why and then i get something that happened that was really something superstitious let me pick on something and i don't want to hear anybody's feelings because a lot of y'all believe in this and maybe it's true i don't know i don't know but a lot of y'all 
if something bad happens, you start looking around because everything happens in what? Threes. Yeah, you know it. I know. Do you understand that that's a superstition? I mean, is there, could there be something supernatural or spiritual that, yes, that happens, and yes, does God work in threes? Sure, 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 sure. Is that in the scripture? Nowhere. And so we, we, do, we do these things. And so I could bring you to the edge of the cliff and say, hey, two people have already died. You better jump or it's your kid next. And you believe everything happens in threes, but you're like, you know, like I'd jump in front of a speeding train or what bullet or whatever for my kid. But I don't know about the threes thing. <laughs> right? I mean, I could take the fall on this, but at that point you begin to understand maybe this is just a superstition. I start questioning things when life is on the line. Are you all following with me? I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying uh, if there's not a real faith, if I don't truly believe in something, I will justify a way to run. It's not a deep faith. My fear for the church is that we don't have a faith and we will easily be bullied out of serving God. Because we all want to say that we're brave, but you know the problem with a bully is they're normally strong in some way. And we say, I'll stand up to a bully, and a lot of people have stood up to bullies just to get the biggest wedgie of their life, and that hurts. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes there's a real consequence for standing up for your faith, for standing up for what you believe, so you better believe in something that is worth it. Because I know you saw something great that made the news and somebody stood up to a bully, but most people who stand up to a bully get their nose broken. It better be worth it. Or used to. Now you just get tweeted about or whatever. <laughs> See, Jesus came to give us something worth standing up to opposition for. He didn't come to take away opposition. Luke 12, 51 through 53. Do not think that I came here to bring peace on the earth. This is Jesus speaking. Wait a minute, I thought he was the prince of peace. He is, it comes at a price. No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He's not saying that I came so that there wouldn't be peace. He's saying I came to bring you something worth fighting for. I came to bring you something worth standing up for. And if we don't have a faith, when we get squeezed, when we get pressed, we'll find a way to run. We'll find a way to justify it. It won't be worth dying for. It won't be worth being persecuted for. And so if we just live a faith that says, God is going to make me healthy, wealthy, and wise, and that's my goal, that's the end game for this faith, then when I'm facing persecution, we go, that doesn't make me healthy, wealthy, or wise. I'm out. It's got to be something real. It's got to be something different. What are they going to do? Let's go back to our examples. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. I'm telling you, tyrannical ruler. Last authority. No checks and balances. Whatever he says goes. 
Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. You know, out of the three, I wonder which one said that. And did the other two look? <laughs> okay, we're doing this. We don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. Sign sealed delivered, boys. You're going to burn. But, and I love this, is they don't mean but like, I'm not sure if God really exists, but I don't like being bullied. They're not wondering, does God exist? They're saying, hey, listen, the God we serve is here. I know what's about to happen. They're saying this for his benefit. They already know. Understand their background. They were taken out of Jerusalem as captivity. They were, they were property. They're slaves. They've, their whole life has not been luxury. They have relied on God, needed God, depended on God. If they had to have him. They have a relationship with him. They perfectly well know what he is capable of. This is not for their benefit. This is for the king's benefit. No, no, no. Listen, if the God we serve exist we don't need you we've got him we've got a king that we follow we bow only to that king we are aliens here I'm not pledge allegiance to any flag but the one from where I'm from because my king is ruler over all king so with respect you don't want to mess with my king so it's not, not that they're questioning their faith. They're saying this for his. They say, but even if he does not rescue us. Now, wait, wait so, so you're backtracking? No, they're not questioning whether God is there or not. They're questioning whether or not they're in the will of God. We don't know what he wants out of this deal. Now, you see, if you read through the book of Daniel, a lot of times God was giving revelation to his people and they would know what was about to happen. Apparently in this one, they had no previous revelation given to them, so they're not sure. They're not sure if they're going to burn or not, but they know that they're not going to go back on their God. So when they say, even if he doesn't, they're like, look, I don't have a final word on this one. I don't know what God is saying is about to happen. However, where were we? Even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. They stood up for a real faith. They weren't going to do it for something that was a superstition. For something that was a, listen to this, they can't do it for the faith of their grandfathers. They're not doing it for the faith of their fathers. The story about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, that's great, but at this point, that was hundreds, thousands nearly, almost multiple thousands of years ago. They'd never seen that, so it's a great story, and they have faith that that story was true, but it couldn't just be the God of their culture. It couldn't just be, well, most people in Ranger claim to be Christian. It has to be, this is my God, this is my faith, this is my life on the line, and here's what I put faith in. And everyone is doing that. I say this all the time, I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's worth it. Do you realize a lot of people are basing their eternity over, well, the world came out of nothing. So Christians are made fun of, you, you're, you're, putting your whole, you're putting your whole worldview on, on, on this God. Where did God come from? We don't know. We believe by faith. You're putting your eternity on what? 
Well, there was this thing that exploded in this big bang. Where did it come from? We don't know. But in the beginning, there was nothing and then something. So you're putting your faith on nothing created everything? That's faith. That's a bunch of it. That's a bunch of it. You're basing your eternity on it. We're all putting our faith in something. We're all basing our faith on something. How did these boys get so much faith? And where did they get the gumption to look at Nebuchadnezzar and be like, no. <laughs> See, being a Christian, there's a lot of things that I'm not allowed to do. And there's a lot of times as Christians that we want to do, we, man, man, we just want to go deck somebody. You want to go punch somebody. You're really not supposed to do that for your pride, Okay. Now, can I protect my family and all that? Yes, of course, of course, of course. But that doesn't mean that you get to be a coward. Christian does not equate coward in any way, form, or fashion. At some point in your life, there is something, someone, that you are, will have to stand up to for what you believe. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage. And the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave, other, uh, uh, he gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than, than was customary. And he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men, in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes, were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's commands were so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing, uh, of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Dude, I can't even say this name. Thank you. Abednego. Abednego. I don't know. You servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, it keeps repeating it, I'm telling you. Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw the fire had not affected the bodies of these men. Not a hair on their heads were singed. Their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angels and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone, any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Okay. Now back up. They're thrown into the fire. The brave will give them that. 
They had faith that God would do something. They didn't know if it was going to be in this life or the next, and that continues to happen. Go to the New Testament. Some of the men who followed Jesus were thrown into prison. They were almost all maliciously murdered for their faith. Some were delivered from death and some were not. All were saved. Many were thrown into prison and people were praying that they would be brought out. Some were brought out, some were not. All in the will of God. Every one of them went through trials while they were in the will of God. Read about someone in the Bible who doesn't have a trial. Show me your favorite Bible character. Maybe you never read the Bible. Anything that you've heard, show me somebody that you want to switch places with. No, thank you. But they had someone with them. Now, we believe, according to how this is written, that Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth body in the fire, and he said, it is like one who is the son of the gods. Now, of course, Nebuchadnezzar is pagan. He was not uh, one of the Jewish or Hebrew people. And so uh, he, he probably had a very polytheistic, this was sort of the beginning of Zoroastrianism, but uh, he had a different view. And so when he said, this is like one of the son, uh, sons of the gods. He saw something very different. The way that w that is written, we believe that that was Jesus, not just an angel who was in the fire with them. I believe that when the children of Israel came out of Egypt into the promised land, there was a fire that went before them. There was a sea uh, that was split. And in that fire, we believe that that was Jesus. There was a burning bush that talked to Moses. We believe that that was Jesus. Noah was in the ark and the door was shut from the inside. We think that the Holy Spirit was in the ark with Noah. We think that when Jonah was in the well, God was in there with him. We believe that when Peter walked on the water, Jesus was walking on the water too. We believe that when uh, Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac and he heard a voice and there was a lamb, we believe that Jesus was there with them. And I want to tell you that not much has changed. I believe that God will be in your trial with you. And I think that Christians set themselves up and say, I've seen no miracles, I've seen God perform nothing, because you haven't been in a trial yet. We don't read about these people just strolling about one day, singing a little song, nothing bad ever happened to me, Jesus, hey! They are in the fire when there's a fourth body with them. We don't even know if the three saw the other body. Now, some of you have been in a trial and you say, I saw it. I know exactly what happened. Some have not been in a trial. In fact, if you got to arrange your timeline, you would never include a situation where you needed God. But we always ask for God to be with us. I want the worship team to go ahead and come up. Church, we have to stop saying that God has abandoned us because we're being thrown into the fire. If they would have never had to go 
into the fire, we wouldn't be reading the story. You know how many millions of stories of people who almost had something bad happen but didn't have happened? You don't know about it. You don't read about it. We read about provisions where God made a way where there was no other way. I still see people who have stories of provisions of God making a way when there was no other way. If we believe in this supernatural God who created the world and he was not just, I can't, I, I can do a basketball, but I can't. He just spun it on his finger and he's just watching it happen. If we had that story, we would have no hope of anything that was going to intervene but we do we have the word of God saying this will happen we have Jesus coming to the earth and those who followed him he left and he said I will leave the Holy Spirit with you and then we see what happened to them and we have people modern day I've given you my own stories we have a God that is still with you I don't have stories about how God showed up when nothing was going on in my life I have stories about trials and things that I thought that I would never get away from things I thought I could never get out of and boom, God shows up and he delivers. When? Typically when we have tried everything else and we understand that there is no other way. I want you to understand if you are a believer in this place today and you're going through a trial, good, because you're about to see God move and maybe it'll change everything. And the next trial, you'll smile through it. I wonder if these three men went into the fire giggling. Like, <laughs> wait till they see what's going to happen. This is going to be awesome. Look at their faces. Look at their faces. Blow the flames out. I want to see the faces. I don't know. I mean, probably, I, it's all conjecture. I have no reason to think because they said even if he doesn't. So I have no reason to think that they knew what was going to happen. But I wonder about next time. I wonder what happened next time anybody tried to talk trash to him. Anybody tried to talk him in and get turned in. And they were like, <laughs> What if you approached your problems with the knowledge and the hope that Jesus was going to be in the fire with you? That when he says, hey, everybody's against you, Noah, go into an ark. They've made fun of you for like 80 straight years while you built this three-football field, massive-looking boat. And guess what? I'm going to be in there with you. Egypt is chasing you, Israel. Don't worry. I'm going to make a blockade in between you, and it's gnarly. Go read the story. Thrown into the fire? I got you. Our world... Well, I would say, say not our world. The, the world is actually becoming more religious. Now, in, in America, we can't see that uh, because we have the rise of the nuns and atheism and all this stuff. Not nuns like the, you know, robes, like N-O-N-E, people who just claim no religion. So we, have, we have the rise of the nuns, and for us, it's like, no, atheism's taken over. But no, the world is actually becoming far more religious. But you live in a place that is growing more and more hostile to your faith. And you need this. You will face trials. Some of you are in it right now. You're like, well, good, preacher. You better be right because I'm at the end. You serve God and he will not leave you alone. King David said, I was young and now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their kids begging bread. Day at a time. I don't care about yesterday. Do you understand that, that like 13, maybe 14, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. 
13 at least of the books in the New Testament were written by Paul who murdered Christians. That was like his hobby. I don't care about yesterday. You choose today. God makes his mercy new every day. That's good for you. Unless yesterday was good and you had to wake up and you had to choose again today. God makes his mercy new every day. You take it day at a time and you live for Jesus and he will not abandon you. And you got some serious stuff going on. I don't take it lightly. You know how much faith it takes for me to say this to you. That God will not leave you. He will not forsake you. If you're in that, or you're like, you know what? I'm not, but I've got kids. I've got grandkids. It's my parents. God will not leave you. God will not forsake you. God will walk through your storm with you. I can't, I can't even begin to take you through all the places in the Old Testament that Jesus came and he was with them in their trials. And I hope that it would take all day to go through this crowd and tell you about a time when Jesus was with you in your trials. Now, listen, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. We can't sow uh, seeds of discord and reap seeds of peace and righteousness, okay? I get that. But you, believers, not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We all fall. You, if, if the cross is there, you're going to fall. Get up and keep your butt going to the cross, don't turn and walk the other way. That's rebellion, okay? But if you are walking to the cross, he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. My God will make a way for you. They weren't alone in the fire and neither are you. And I don't know who needs to hear that today, but I kind of assume everyone. Your fire is right here, isn't it? Ooh, Pastor, if you could only see what's going on up here. I don't want to see what's going on up there. I got my own things. And he will not leave you in your chaos. Church, give yourself to the Lord. He will walk with you. He will make a way. He will bring peace. And you'll be able to walk into the next fire knowing that you won't be alone. So what do I do? I'm glad you asked. Read your Bible. Pray. Go to church. Be the church. You do those four things, and you do them in increasing measure. <laughs> and you will see God move in your life. That's the God that we serve. Okay, I'm done preaching. Somebody better than me is coming up. Where's she at? Miss Lewis, where are you at? Oh, coming in from the back. Okay, now. This is something really exciting that we get to do. And uh, I want you to come on. Now, you guys know, I say this all the time, you just stand right here so everyone can see. Y'all know, I say this all the time. I'm super nervous. If you bring me anyone under the age of 10 that wants to be baptized, I get, I get real nervous about it. Y'all know that, I've said that. How old are you? Nine. Okay? Wait, you're nine? Get out of here. No, I'm kidding. We've gotten to speak at length 
but not just now, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of saying this for your benefit, okay? I'm still preaching, sorry. You have a child that says, I want to be baptized. They're very young. You question, I don't know if this kid really knows. My encouragement to you has always been keep pushing it off until they're like, hey, I'm, I'm living in sin because of you, okay? We don't want this, this false sense of, of security. Now, I do appreciate someone young. Do they know everything about the Bible? No. Do you? No. But we're being obedient with what we do know. So I have a great appreciation for that. But I, I want people to understand what they're signing up for and the seriousness of it. Okay? So I get really nervous anywhere under 10. But you've been asking to be baptized for how long now? For a long time. For literally years. And uh, mom and dad have been doing a great job at saying, not yet, not right now. They, they're, still, they're still trying to wait, aren't they? Okay, she ain't having it. She ain't having it. This girl knows. So I've gotten to speak with her at length, and I'm telling you, she's just about ready for seminary, okay? So I, 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 I don't have a lot of reservation up here today. I'm going to tell you that right now. And I will be honest with you. Some, some of you, I look at you, and I look at your kid, and I'm like, no, let's not. I have no reservations about this because this girl knows. Can I get this blue microphone right beside you? Can y'all make that hot for me? So I'm going to ask you, Audrey, it's, it's cordless. We're not going to fry her, okay? Everybody's like, did you put a microphone? In have you accepted Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Okay. If, if something were to happen right now and, and you died, where would you go? Heaven. Okay. We had this conversation at length. You can be sure of your eternity. And this girl is sure. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, family, who are here to, uh, to be with her and encourage her. Thank you so much. Go ahead and have a seat right here on your... Yep. Go ahead and put your legs in front of you. You're flexible enough to do this. Okay. So, it is my honor to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father. You can hold your nose. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, buried with Him in death, raised to walk in newness of life in Jesus our Lord. And go. <laughs> Amen. We're proud of you. Most people need more help getting up than she does. So, awesome job. Okay, listen, uh, the worship team is going to take it away. Baskets are going to come forward. Part of the way that we worship is with tithe and offering. But also, we want you to put your connection card in there. Uh, we want to pray for you. We want to walk with you through whatever you are walking through. So that's the appropriate place to stick that connection card. Y'all stand and worship.